Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 668 with Caitlin Kintop Fletcher and Krista Kintop Phillips. The reward is in the hard work. No matter what, it's never going to be easy. And if it's easy, it, the reward isn't as good. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365 a value of $5,000. Were you aware that 89% of guests will research a restaurant online before dining out? This is why it is so important for you to be mindful of what your online presence is. Visit getbento.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your Bento Box website today. Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships online. One more time, that is getbento.com slash unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guests, Krista Kintop Phillips and Caitlin Kintop Fletcher. Are you women feeling unstoppable today? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Awesome. That is what I like to hear. <laughs> you guys plan that? I love it. Uh, the Cheese Board in Reno, Nevada was founded in 1981 by Debbie Bramby. Nearly 40 years later in 2017, after about a decade of working at the cheese board for Debbie sisters, Krista Kintop Phillips and Caitlin Kintop Fletcher purchased their place of employment. The tra- the transition from employee to owner has not been easy, but they have handled it with grace. And I cannot wait to dive into your story uh, to find out what this, this trans like this, this transition has been like for you to, and how you've learned and grown as people and professionals. But let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you have for me? Go for it, sister. Well, I think when we were going through the process of buying the business, the thing that really took me to the next level was this one quote I saw, and it was like, what if I fall? And then the response was, but what if you fly? Mm. And it just reminded me that you cannot have fear in the face of what you want to do because you will never know what you're capable of until you take that first step. Yes. That really was the driving force to take the step to make things happen. I love it. And do you want to add to that? Um, Yeah, I think too. So then like to add on to that in the midst of, um, kind of building this business um there is no elevator for success you always have to take the stairs yes and that one for us i think also really drives home because um i mean the reward is in the hard work no matter what it's never gonna be easy and if it's easy the reward isn't as good 
So yeah, so I mean, <laughs> what I'm picking up is fo- you know it, focus on best case scenario because you your mind you will recreate in your life what you focus on. So if you're focused on what's possible and what could be, you will you know conjure that in your life and know that there is no shortcut. That if you're going to get there, it's going to be through step by step, taking the steps, climbing that you know climbing up slowly but surely you will get there. Is kind of how that resonated with me. Absolutely, exactly. I love it. I yep. love it. Great stuff. Great way to get this thing started. So where does it start? To, where does it make sense? to start the story i mean i feel like we we should pay homage to what was here before 1981 the sucker was started before you two were even on the planet yeah as a matter (laughs) of fact um this is kind of a joke that we used to have with the owner um so the business started in 1981 um by a woman named deborah branby branby and um again she was kind of a pioneer of her time 81 she started a little wine and cheese shop it wasn't in this current location that we're at now but you know i think it was just a few hundred square feet and that's all she wanted to do she wanted to bring awareness to fine wine and cheese in the town of reno nevada and then decades later it's become like kind of this cool restaurant place that everybody yeah. knows it is today yeah it was kind of funny when I, when I first uh when you first landed on my radar and i started looking into uh, the, the story i saw 1981 then i saw your photos i was like what are these ladies <laughs> what's their secret like, <laughs> yeah, right? are they the serving the fountain of youth what's in the cheese then it all makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. one of the jokes we used to have with the owner when we worked here is that Krista was actually born in 1981. Sorry, I don't mean to That's age right. you. <laughs> but um, we were like, Debbie, you like birthed the restaurant instead of a child. <laughs> and instead of like having their own children, she ended up having so many children yeah. throughout decades of like bringing people up through the restaurant. That's true. Which is really cool. And I mean, and that's how it should be. These people should be. These should be transformative relationships. They should they should feel like as close to you as your, your own children. I mean, it's our responsibility to take the people that come to work for us and to treat them like our own and to transform them 100%. and to empower them, right? And here's the other thing, too, is that they transform us. Mm. I yes. cannot tell you, like, how much of like coming into the restaurant business as like just starting out as a a server, a hostess, and then becoming into the management and going through the ranks of just working with different people, the kitchen, the front of the house, and how their personalities actually transform you and make you grow into a better leader because you can get an understanding of just, like I said, different personalities and where they're coming from. Yeah. Awesome stuff. So, uh, What's what's the the story of the cheese board? Do you want to kind of um, like imagine you're Debbie right now? She's sharing her story. Kind of what what's like the evolution of the cheese board and like where she started? I know you probably yeah. knew her original vision. Well, she she had grown up some of her years here in Reno, Nevada, and then had moved away to the Bay Area. And while she was there, she really fell in love with the fresh foods and the specialty cheeses yeah, and, and like the little stores. markets little this little side markets that you could like in san francisco that you could walk and find you know fresh bread and the deli kind of idea and so when she moved back to reno she really wanted to take part of that with her and introduce reno to that and so yeah she started this tiny shop it was in a space called arlington gardens that if you're from reno nevada you kind of know what that space right. is like. And then she moved to this location in 86, 86, I think. 86, I believe, yeah. And it's been here ever since. And then it was an evolution. And I think this is such a really important part of her story is that she never was, she never stayed the same. It was never static. She evolved as people wanted new things. Mm. So people started getting into coffee and she got an espresso machine and people came in and then they were hungry. And so she started making sandwiches. And then people started saying, do you cater? And she's like, 
yeah sure <laughs> i cater well, they would say could you make us a cheese platter we have this little thing or what can you we have a party can you pair us make a little cheese plate for us and pair it with some wine and so again she just evolved to what the needs of the consumers were yeah and to this day because what's interesting um is that we don't sell cheese anymore um, specialty cheeses because the market does the market doesn't demand that and um, we used to joke that like anytime you would shave off you know like some of the mold or anything on the cheese you're just shaving dollars into yes. the garbage you know oh, yeah. um, and so now we just um, have evolved into the catering and um, a restaurant was was the cheese board still serving cheese before you took over yes okay yes so it was. so was that one of the first things you guys cut when you took over no, we, um, that was an evolution when Debbie was still here. Okay. Yeah. And what happened was we had, there's forces in the marketplace all the time. Like Whole Foods came into our city and other bigger chains started carrying those specialty cheeses. So now you don't have to come here to get it if you want it. Right. You can kill two birds with one stone going to Whole Foods. Right. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I mean, listening to this part of the story, it kind of reminds me of Eric Reese's uh, The Lean Startup. And in that book, he talks about starting where you can, starting small, minimal viable product. For her, that was cheese and mm-hmm. wine, right? And then, and then she, she was small. When you're small, you can pivot easily. It's not yes. hard to, to change things, to adapt to what the market's demand is. And then you scale over time depending upon what the demands are, right? And you lean yes. into what people want. That's Yeah, exactly. That's exactly per, it. Yeah. Per, like, that's exactly what she that's was exactly doing. It. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. Well, and then um, when she came over into this um, space that we're in now, she it was just half of what it was, and she shared it with a gallery. And so, again, just by evolution then you know then she was able to take over the the art gallery yeah. and create a dining space because then it was just at that time it was just like a walk-in counter deli mm-hmm. you know maybe i think there was like a couple tables couple, if you look at the old pictures yeah. i haven't even there's not very many pictures um and then then it created the dining space that it was and then i don't even know how like somebody would be like could you maybe do a small wedding so we would just like evolved into this catering because they would just ask and she would say she would say yes yes yeah i love it (laughs) i really do love it and i think the other cool thing too is like they say every five years you're supposed to like freshen up Mm, right you should mm -hmm. do something to switch up to stay relevant and when you scale slowly over time it's usually like every five or six years right like you you knock down a wall you open up a space and now it's staying fresh you're staying relevant that sounds right that does that that is a natural progression yeah i love it uh anything else we should share from debbie's story uh what you learned from from just the the history of this building and this this business So I think what's really great about Debbie is that she was a major, like, woman force in this town. I I love talking about people and who they are, so keep going. she just really, like, embraced her restaurant in this space, and she showed up, and she did an amazing job, and people really looked up to her, and, you know, the recession was really hard on a lot of these original business owners that were in this town. And she persevered to the point where we could then take the reins. And I think that kind of drive and perseverance and strength is notable for her story. Mm. So you, you both worked here a decade. Was it 
the same time? Were you working side by side or was there a little bit of an overlap? And then how, like, when did you both start working? I think Caitlin should start because she was the original hire. (laughs) Yeah. So if you want to start with yours. Um, Well, and then just to go a little bit back into uh, my background and Chris's background as far as food. Do you want to go back that far? Well, I do want to dive into your your backgrounds. And maybe did you come to work for the cheese board before uh, like how did it work? Were you here in like the early two thousands and you left professionally and then you found out that Debbie wanted to sell and then you came back and took, like, how did it? Yeah, no. So, um, I, um, graduated, um, college in 2005, um, and moved back to Reno and I was kind of <laughs> sitting on my couch one day thinking, Oh, I'm going to take the summer off. You know, one of those things. And, um, uh, my mother-in-law's like, why are you gonna, like, this is like, go get a job. And yeah. so I looked in the newspaper and there was a, a small, a little ad, um, for an assistant manager position. Um, and it didn't give the, it didn't give the title, it just gave the location show. I showed up and instantly clicked with the general manager at the time who is, um, not, who was not Debbie. Um, she had a great woman general manager and her and I just clicked. So I got hired in 2005 as an assistant manager. What'd you go to school for? Culinary arts. Okay. Nice. 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 Yeah. And, um, and so then Krista was living in Florida at that time. Yeah. I think you were there another year or so before you moved back. I didn't come back until 06. Okay. So I was here in 05 and then in 06, she came back and, um, we also had a sister restaurant at this time, um, across the street, across right? the street called cafe Musée. It was in the Nevada museum of art. Um, so kind of a similar style, but not a branch. I mean, it was like a branch, but we just called it a sister restaurant yeah. because it was similar, but not. Yeah. You know? So you mentioned that, uh, when you came on board, it just clicked. There was something about the space that clicked yeah. the, the person you're talking to. Instantly. What was going like what, what how did it make you feel? What was it about the space and the restaurant and the people that made it click with you? Um so for me when I was going to culinary school, I always my original thought was that I was going to be a chef or I was going to be a baker or a pastry chef. Um I thought kind of that's just like what the natural like when you go to culinary school yeah. that's what you're going to do. Yeah. That's what the skills you need. But um I am a people person. Um and I I didn't really know that. Um, until like later, it was kind of later on in the col- my college space that I realized that you could go into like hotel management or hospitality management. And the idea of being a leader and then also like just being exposed to people, um, it's a very challenging part of the restaurant, but it's my favorite. Yeah. I love people in the space. So when I came in to interview the space, um, instantly has that hospitable feeling like, and, and the general manager, same. And mm. I, I was, it's very magical and enchanting that you wanted to be a part of it. And we try to recreate that every day here now. And I think that's why we have the customers that we do. I know we're going way back or way to the future, <laughs> but, um, again, it's this environment that you create that it, um, envelops you into this warmth. Okay. And I instantly felt that. Okay. Yeah. Krista, so how, how did you make the transition on? Well, so, um, my boyfriend, who's now my husband, we were living in Florida at the time and he was finishing school. And while I was there, I was like bartending and picking up shifts at a chain restaurant. And, um, Can you say the chain? Yeah, it was Chili's. Okay. Yeah. So it was like all the brinker this happening. It was like the movie Waiting, if you've ever seen it. <laughs> oh my God. And funny, like side note, that movie was written by somebody who was from Florida. Oh, really? Yes. That's funny. And, um... I think he would like worked at a Bennigan's or something like that. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, when that came out, I was like, 
well, this is my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think that's important. I, th- I think going to work for a franchise or a corporation or big company is a, a good thing early in your career because mm-hmm. if you only have independent operator experience like yes. you, you don't you can't see you don't know the potential of what systems processes and procedures look like holy and moly so that true. is the truest <laughs> statement yeah. ever so yeah true, we need that picture we need to know no, exactly yeah. and so, there is something to that that you know in future me current me looks back and goes um i had read this quote that was like just because you're small doesn't mean you have to think small mm-hmm. like just because you own a small business treat your big bu- your little business like a big business like a right? big business yep. and those sops standard yeah. operating procedures are really kind of a core part of that so <laughs> going back 06 we moved back to reno because we decided we're going to get married here and i was in a similar point where i was like I am not going back to work right away. I am going to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Like, I wasn't really sure. Thought about going back to school. And Caitlin was like, well, just pick up some shifts. You can just bartend. Uh, That's for a the great Caitlin impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds just like me, doesn't it? <laughs> a little salty. A little <laughs> they need some help at the restaurant across the street. You know, just pick up shifts and show up. It's great. And so I was like, oh, okay, sure. I'm not doing anything. And so that's what I did. I just started picking up shifts. And then that assistant manager left. And they offered me that job. And I still didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> So I started working there. And previous to that, I have a degree in art. And so I really loved working in the Nevada Museum of Art as a space because it was very just, um, it's beautiful. Mm. And I don't know. And and that has an enchanting part of it too. And then, um, and so, yeah, it just was this evolution. And for a small time, Caitlin left. And I'll let you jump back in and talk about that. Oh, yeah. And so then, yeah, fast forward to, I mean, it was probably 2007. 14, oh, okay, no, 2007, because it was 2007. Right before the recession. Um, I kind of hit this space where, you know, I had, we had the general manager and I was the assistant manager. And then we had um, Debbie, who was the owner. And I was like, I just don't know. You know, you have that moment where you're like, where, where can I grow? And mm. I would have conversations with my general manager. And I was like, I didn't think that she was going to leave. And, and I felt like I needed to go experience more. Mm -hmm. So I became a wine rep, um, for a year. Uh, yeah, a little over a year and, um, got to touch my hand in, um, in selling wine and learning about wine and which is another passion of mine. Um, and then that being said, I kind of was like, I don't really love sales (laughs) (laughs) and it was hard because it was right. So then I was during the recession of 2008 is you're like selling wine, which is not something that people need. So they really cut back on it. So that was a tough, um, just a tough time. And that being said, you still learn and grow from that. But what I really realized is that I missed the restaurant. Mm. I missed the people. Um, So I called my general manager and asked to come back. (laughs) <laughs> kind of like a little humility. And I said, you know, um, I, I'll do anything. And, um, I took a pay cut, my hours changed. Uh, and it was still obviously the best decision I have ever yeah. made to come back. What was it about sales that didn't stick with you? Well, so here's, what's interesting is, is that 
in life, I believe we're all salespeople. Yes. Um, and it just is a matter of what you're passionate about. And Have you ever read the book to sell as human? No. Oh, it's right. Okay. I'm gonna keep going. Keep next. going. Yeah. Um, so I do believe that we're all salespeople no matter what. Absolutely. And I think that, um, it was an amazing experience and you can't, that my story was written that way and I would never take that back. Um, but when you're not passionate and um, you're hitting certain numbers, you, you're forced to hit numbers and sell things that you don't want, um, it becomes an empty job. Yeah. Uh, and so that's... So it's really interesting because I almost got into wine sales. Uh, when I when I resigned from aviation, I went to go work at a winery because I wanted to get into wine sales yes. and I figured I'd learn all about yes. the process of making wine. Turns out wine is just ridiculously complicated and like you have to have that passion you you have to have that passion to learn because you'll never stop learning yes um but i thought that in my mind i was like well wine is something that every restaurant needs so are you really selling or are you helping them find the right wine but i wouldn't be surprised a certain uh uh, not uh not dispensary what would you call a wholesaler um yes certain wholesalers that you would work for exactly right um are gonna be like we need to push this one right so that's i can see how it would be like well you this doesn't pair with anything on your menu so so that's exactly right so it would be um and not that I, I mean, if I, I don't want to use like the, the big names and things like that, but you're going to get these big conglomerate corporations of the wine industry versus the smaller independent ones that actually have a passion for wine. Because cool. what you do find out, this is a whole other conversation is that, yeah, we're on a little um, tangent right I know, now. Sorry. I apologize. Is it's that, my fault. I, um, I put us on this track. <laughs> no. Is that wine will, you know, they can, you can add anything to make it have a flavor. So mm. then you're, you're losing the integrity of the wine. I digress. Um, that is Chris and I believe in it. It just didn't feel right. It, the The sales on that side didn't feel right. So, circling back to being a salesperson, you know, in the restaurant, I guess the idea of like selling yourself, but or just selling your passion. If you're passionate about something, anything in life, like you're gonna sell it to mm-hmm. somebody. You well, know you're not I mean? selling it. You're that's sharing a, you're your just passion. Sharing your passion. Exactly. And that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, you're sitting here so patiently. Do you want to reflect on what we're saying? Is, do you have anything to add? No, I mean, there's so there's like two paths, right? And actually, a third. If you if Debbie were here, it'd be a third path. But uh, there's definitely two paths of our story. So while Caitlin's mm-hmm. gone, they bring me over to the cheese board. And at this time, I was thinking maybe I should get an MBA. Like this is not necessarily. This has been great, mm-hmm. but I need to figure out what I'm going to do. And then. Um, at that time, the event coordinator left, and they were going through a hiring process, which I was, again, like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and they kind of convinced me that this was a really good thing for me because I did have a background in art, and I love design, and I love food, and um, I love connecting with people. Like, this would be a really interesting opportunity. And I was like, okay, maybe you're right. It'll be learning something new and getting paid for it which was better than the MBA because then I'd have to pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> you got to pay to learn. Yeah. You have to pay to learn. It's yeah. always going to pay me. I think and- there is going to be a, and then uh, you're already starting to see it happen. There's going to be a shift over the, uh, and I don't want to cut your story short. We're, we'll pick up. Yeah, but I, I know, wanna, it's fine. I, wanna, uh, I think there's a shift happening in society right now where we're moving from, you, you go to school to pay for your education so you can get hired to now the owner is going to be responsible for giving you opportunity and they're going to pay you in house. I think you're going to, like, as yes. I mean, if we're going to be, we're continue to operate in a you know uh i don't know i should, maybe i just i don't want to say anything <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh it, keep going that that kind of experience is so important because i wouldn't be the person i am today without it yeah um what was really interesting about the job and it's still interesting about um doing catering is that you're 
office is never the same. Yeah. You get to go and experience new things and you have to be really quick on your feet. Like we talked about before, you have to understand there's a plan A, which is contracted, but there's also a plan B, plan C, and you can go all the way through the alphabet and into numbers at that point. Um, you really have to work with people. You really have to understand food in a different way other than the restaurant. So there was all these really cool aspects of learning how to do catering and sell catering and adapt to new spaces. That was really intriguing. And so I took the job. Nice. And, um, Oh, so you had me on my toes for a minute. I didn't know if you were going to do it or not. <laughs> no, I was like, Woo! Um, so and that, it was a really great experience. And, and so then you know, Caitlin came back and we kind of went, went through, then there was a recession and it was really interesting being in this industry. And I think in anybody's to like maintain a job during the recession and learning, we learned so much. We're almost like recession babies of like the industry. Like if you live through the recession and you understood numbers and what you had to do, it was really important and I think allows us now to really look hard at numbers. Well, I think we should live and work in our businesses as if there's always a recession, you know, because that way, because yes. it's going to happen. It was very interesting because yes, the market when, sways and when, it does. and when it sways back to that direction, you're going to be like, <laughs> we're yeah, ready. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was interesting in sales at the time because when I started that... People at first in 2008 didn't believe how bad it was going to be. So we were still doing these events that were crazy. People were still spending a lot of money. Like corporations were spending a lot of money on these corporate events and getting their clients in and these budgets that are just... Well, like Big Pharma had a, like a lot oh. of bu- a huge budget, so we would do a lot of catering yeah. for um, like pharmaceutical companies, mm-hmm. and then that went, you yeah. know, instantly, totally, and then. Um, and yeah, so then you go go to 2009 and people realize how how dire this is and people are losing jobs and companies are closing down and you still have to sell events. Yeah. You still have to sell catering to people and our corporate clients. And then you get very much like, okay, what is the cost of things? What is our goal? Like how much do we want to make? And so it really gave me the opportunity to learn about the numbers in a different way on how to make the sales and what things cost and where you can cut and make deals and become a salesperson to mm-hmm. maintain business. So that was really interesting. And then at that same time, um, and then a couple of years later, I had my first kid. So 2010. Well, I'm kind of curious. I want to pull back a few layers on yeah. this because I feel like uh, you're giving us really great advice, the importance of paying attention to the numbers and being really intentional with your time and having to like sell, you know? So can you give us like some detailed advice on how to run your business as if you're in a recession or what being in the recession taught you? Can you, can you go a little deeper? Can you get specific? The things that you changed in the business to survive, or I like- think like something that's really important that people um, aren't always aware of is their inventory, um, because you're sitting on profit. You're sitting on a bunch of profit you're on your thousands inventory. and thousands of dollars. Right. And if inventory. you're not paying attention, so there's a couple things that are especially happening with cheese. Yeah, if you're not paying attention <laughs> to your inventory, how you're ordering it, what's in stock, how often you're going through it. I mean, because that's when theft can happen. That's when things go bad, like waste. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just like you're just throwing away money. Yeah. And talk about a pivot once you realize. If you're not moving through certain inventory, you have to make an adjustment, whether it's a menu adjustment 
or you have to change a product because a product isn't working correctly, um, that's a huge deal. Or and then sometimes you cut things all together. So how do you? What are you doing to to track all these things? Like how? What changes or what things are you doing in your business to be able to know exactly where things and how much money is on the shelves? How do you track it? Well, one of the things you have to look at every month is a P and L. You've mm-hmm. got to look at your profit and loss, and you've got to look at like you have to have an idea of what you spend monthly in general and find a pattern because then when those patterns go off, that's when you're like, Oh, I got to pay attention right here. Yeah. Whoa. Fella. Exactly. Chill out. Yeah. And then you have to have a really good staff. Like mm-hmm. your chef has to be on top of that food inventory. You know, keeping a regular inventory of your dry goods is super important too. So even yeah. like, you know, in our dry storage, your cups, your lids. And I think Caitlin can definitely speak to this is when, you know, if we're not moving through enough of a certain size of something, it's making an adjustment and saying like, so say you have like three different size coffees, but you don't sell the eight ounce coffee. Then what are you doing selling an eight ounce coffee? Yeah. Just keep just, it with the 12 and the 16. Right. Yeah. You don't have to purchase that additional thing just to sit on your shelf. Yeah. For X amount of yeah. months. Yeah. I think the big lesson here, you know, is track. You got to track regularly, track. weekly. Some people do weekly, yes. minimally monthly, at right? Least yeah. At least monthly. Um, I th- I would recommend to the restaurant industry weekly. Just yes. add, like, have it like uh, a day and a time. Block it out that mm-hmm. we have to uh, this day at this time we do this, and w- maybe it's before hours or after hours. You get the team to do it together so you can bust it out fast. And there's software today, inventory software that to make you do it yes. even faster. So, uh, but but staying liquid, right? Yes. Y- if you have that money in boxes. Literally on your shelves, then cash is king. You need to, if, yes. if something happens and you need to take care of something now, you need that liquid yes. ability to to you know put cash where it's needed right mm-hmm. now. So especially in the restaurant business, yeah. And you and I'm sure you've heard this from many other people, but shit can break at any time. Yeah. Like <laughs> let's not exactly not like that, yeah. color coat that because exactly. I mean, there's times that your refrigerator is going to go down, or there's a pipe that broke or you know you're plunging toilets like all these things we've had to come in and deal with is that yeah. like there's like a flood in the kitchen and you're like how am i going to solve this problem you, you might need a thousand dollars at any yeah. moment or more to, yes. to have somebody come in and fix something and actually that's a super important point right there like for anyone who's going into the restaurant or thinking about buying a restaurant you need to start out with some a certain amount of cash yeah yeah you have to have cash in the bank because not only for payroll and for purchasing all the things that you need to purchase but you have to have oh the, shit like an oh shit, shit yeah. money yeah. and so do you have a separate account that you like an oh shit count no account, we don't or but we keep a cushion oh uh, yes we keep, we a, keep cushion. a cushion what's a good cushion would you say um well so when we started we actually had we made sure we had thirty thousand dollars okay um to get us going when we first took over and Every year, we try to increase that cushion. Yeah. I would say for your oh shit, you need about 10 grand for yeah. just an oh shit money. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean like your payroll and cost of yes. like uh, What's, cost a, of what's the business? most expensive piece of equipment you have in your restaurant? I, I think it's the question to ask yourself. And if I need yes. to replace yes, that that's most, exactly that's, right. that's your cushion, point. right? Yep. Yeah. That's a good one. I just, um, I don't know. I, to replace it and then labor on top of that, just yeah, so you know. Right? <laughs> yeah. oh God, don't right? forget the labor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we really, like, I think 18, 2018, we started that year, that first quarter was just everything fixing, broke. Fixing shit. It was that like, was it started with like all, like electrical one month, plumbing the next month. Um, 
and it just kept going down the list. <laughs> the refrigerator, like, I think, went out too. I feel like yeah, what? the refrigeration. Yeah. We had the electrical stuff, and those are just things yeah. that are going to happen. I, I mean, remember my parents had like three refrigerators in our in our cellar at the house. So if anything ever happened, we could just you know like call an audible. <laughs> Quick, switch yeah. it off. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. is really really impressive. Yeah, you do have to be prepared, yeah. and then also I think. You know, with refrigeration, you also have to take in the idea that you could have a loss. That I was just going to say that. Goes yep. down, you lose product. You're losing mm-hmm. products. So that's then just you're, money. So then in that's the trash. more money yeah. that you need to replace that product. Right. It's so crazy. And it is. This is also a good point. If you're also going into this, also look at your insurance policies. What are your insurance policies covers? Um, we actually have a policy that will allow us to um, pay for some of the loss, like. We, I think it's like a $500 deductible, but if you, if everything goes down one night and you have a loss in that food of thousands yeah. of dollars, yeah, 500 you can drop submit a claim. Yeah. I was literally just having this conversation because uh, Sacramento, that area where I was just in, they're power. the same thing. Yeah. Like they're, the, the power company literally shut power yes. off to like five or yes. six counties, seven counties. I went to California that oh same <laughs> week and <laughs> I was like, we were driving there and we were like, is our hotel going to be open? Yeah. Because, uh, like, we weren't sure. And, like, half of the restaurants were just functioning on, like, cold sandwiches and bottled beer and well, wine. They were not even serving. If if the restaurants were smart and they did get the insurance to cover something like that, in my yes. mind, I'm thinking, holy crap, the insurance company is getting slammed right now. Because mm-hmm. think about that. Like, how many square miles is that? That's and every crazy. restaurant, how many yes. restaurants are all looking to make a claim at once across and- all that? In uh, a restaurant, that daily cash flow is what yeah. you survive on. You depend yeah. on that daily cash flow. So if it's not coming in, I mean, that was a huge hit. And as we were driving home, I was thinking, I was like, what would we do? Like, yeah. what would we do if that happened here? Like, it's something to think about. Which is good to always kind of have that, oh, shit, like, yeah. in the back of your head. So like, what would you worst do? Worst case scenario. I would get my ass down here, and I would <laughs> unload those refrigerators and call all my friends and contacts in our generator. Industry. Yeah. 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 And I have a, a generator, yeah. um, but Backup you would need generator. a little bit more generators yeah. To, yeah. for what we need. Mm-hmm. But I would call in all the favors. Yeah. yeah. And then same thing though, if something happened to one of our fellow, yeah, um, we have a good community industry. here. Yeah. Um, a good, good restaurant, restaurant hospitality community. community here. It's pretty tight knit. It is. You and, would, yeah. Sorry. Keep going. Well, and I would, I would allow, like I would open up fridge space if somebody called us too, because you got to look out for each other. Yeah. It is a, it is crazy how much those daily sales are it. important. I'm loving this conversation. I just looked down. I can't believe we're already over 30 yeah, minutes. Sorry. <laughs> time. Um, I haven't even taken the first break yet, but I usually take the, the first break when um, my, my guest takes ownership for the first time. Okay. Excuse me. Is there anything we haven't discussed up to this point? Um, about the business leading because you we haven't really talked about you guys as owners yet right um so is now a good time to go to break or yeah, is there anything let's go to break. okay let's take a quick break we'll be right back and we'll start talking about what the transition from employee to owner was like if you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need then you've got to check out restaurant 365 a cloud-based restaurant specific accounting and back office platform that seamlessly integrates with your pos system payroll 
provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions. No more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs, and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on Prime costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5k. We're back. And uh, what was it like transitioning? So was this a conversation you guys are having for a long time? Like someday we're going to own this or did she come to you? Did you go to her? What did it look like? Yeah. So I think um, there was, again, we, so we reached this point like kind of the same way we did when we, when I had left the first time and Krista was kind of planning on getting her MBA. So you do reach this point of growth where you have a, you need to make a choice. And so Krista and I had both reached that point at this time I had become the general manager and, um, she was doing in charge of all the events, um, by herself. Um, and we had, I was pregnant with my second child and then so, and I had an older one and then she had three. So we had four children already and I was pregnant with my second. Uh, So we came to this point where we were like, we don't want to be stay at home moms. That's not, wasn't in our our path. That wasn't our path. But that being said, we were, we were in a transition period. Mm -hmm. And so we had to have some really hard conversations like, are we going to leave and start our own business um start our own restaurant what would that look like we kind of played that scenario out right so at this point you guys already realized that you you're going to be partners i think we had always kind of talked about <laughs> things we could do together and I, without knowing yeah. we were going to be business partners it's like, true okay. i so mean it was looking, like if we did this mm-hmm. what would it look like looking yeah. back um just at any conversational piece that we would have um it always involved each other no matter what, actually, yeah. I think it really did. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was so like, yeah, I feel like there was no question that we weren't going to be partners. Even a conversation. Yeah. It wasn't it was like, like a question. Like, do you want to do this with me? It was kind of like we're doing this yeah. all together. And actually, like we had made the decision: if we didn't do it together, we weren't going to do it. That's true. Yep. Yeah, that was a conversation we mm-hmm. had. Like, unless we came and we had to come to this decision um, on our own, but if it didn't match, we weren't going to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what what did the conversation look like? When did this this reality yeah. look like it would even be a reality? Well, so Caitlin had come back from maternity leave, I think. Yeah. And it, we were finally at the point where we were like, we really need to have a talk with Debbie about what our future could look like and what we were, what our plans were. Okay. And so it was like, okay, so we either... Because she had dropped some hints that she was kind of getting tired. Mm-hmm. So there was like this kind of like... Um, feeling that Almost there was a years. transition. There uh, was who, there who, was like a feeling in the air that something yes. was going to happen. So it was just a matter of which one of us was going to like be the people to like say like say let's do this. Were there other people that were in the organization jockeying for ownership? So there wasn't um, that anybody came to her for. Okay. Um, that being said, there was some instances where people were like, "Well, you could have offered it to me." Uh. Um, you know, so. And so we started the conversation. Um, 
as far as what it would look like to take ownership. And we had to, we really did our due diligence. When you say we started the conversation, the two of you or all three of us you? Us and Debbie. Okay. And so we all started three the, of us. Well, I think there's another lesson to be learned before just diving into that. You yeah. pointed out that other people would have been interested if they hadn't known that it was for sale. That's probably true. But good on you for letting it the universe know that you wanted it. If you want something in life, you have to you got to let it be known because you people do. don't know. And that's so, so true. Yeah, such so, a good uh, lesson in life, like right? Such yeah, a lesson in you know, life. like um, if you want it, like you have to take responsibility you for let it be your known. life and you your do. happiness and where you want to go. You can't just expect somebody to read your mind and say, "Oh, those girls have been working for me for a long time. They must want to buy it." Yeah, because we might not want it. Yeah, to yeah. Have, and she's not going to approach us, or you just don't know what you don't know. And you, you know? you've got to want it to be successful oh God, in this industry. So at, from Debbie's perspective, like she's not going to sell it to somebody who doesn't No, it's want her it. baby. Exactly. It's her baby. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Um, yeah. So we did our due diligence. It took about two years or so just shy of two years. We took about a year to research what it would look like to make a purchase and how we'd go about purchasing a business and all the different forms what, that we could mm-hmm. become a, a company. And what the value was we ended up having you know then and doing an evaluation and then at that point you do have to um it, it gets kind of interesting because you are your friends um and you've been working together for a long time but then you kind of have to draw this line there's a then we had to draw a business line and kind of get legal representation so mm-hmm. that there was you had to take the emotion out of it which is super hard because it's emotional because it's emotional mm. it's emotional for all Everybody. parties involved this space. I'm not saying for every space, but for somebody that creates um, a restaurant from the ground up and it's their baby um, and they've been through all all of the feels with it. And then and we've been with them for a long time and you have an emotional connection with each other. You have an emotional connection to the restaurant and you have to take that all out and, and it you becomes to show your, your job. Yeah. yeah. And it comes it, so then it becomes this business yep. transaction. Um, and then, yeah, so then you still are showing up every day doing your job and like playing this role, like you're not having this business transaction and nobody also knew we kind of did it. That was the other thing is, is that she didn't tell it to, um, she wanted to make sure that this was something that was really going to be, um, a solid before, before announcing, announcing it. it. Yeah. Cause if it didn't go through for whatever reason, right. it's going to create tension. Yes. So yes. keep it between the three of us. And yes. then when we have papers signed yes. and yes. you know, the transactions about to be made, right. then announce it. So yeah. we did sign a non-disclosure agreement. Yep. Um, as we were going through the process, Props to Debbie for bringing in legal representation that we all knew. Yeah, it was all great. Knew this great yeah. relationship with the legal representation. I'm happy you guys got right into that because I was definitely going to ask about how yes. the transition went down, what yes. things you did. So can you get a little – bringing a lawyer in, right? But can you be yes. specific as to what exactly – you had the lawyer do so there and there let me set this down there was a lot of attorneys so we had an attorney and we were working with an accountant and we were also working with an advisor who does a lot of like restaurant industry um transactions what did what would you say he's a consultant yeah he's a consultant so we had three people in our corner that we were really working with in terms of figuring out um how this could work, different ways to get money in to pay for it and all that stuff. And then she also had representation and an accountant. And then we had the third party that was the in-between for both. Another lawyer um, that... Kind of like our liaison. That, yes, was um, a liaison. Yeah, a good and so he was just a neutral party. 
So that being said, so we had uh, like yeah, three lawyers. Yes, there were three, three attorneys. There were three yeah. attorneys, and so we each had our own side working on the numbers. So that that being said, that's kind of like um, what the valuation of the restaurant would be. Okay, and it's it's really interesting to see what an actual valuation of a restaurant would be or any business. You know what I mean? How close were the evaluations? Uh, well, they started in different spaces and then we came to an agreement. And one of the things that we were told by some friends who had purchased other businesses is like both parties need to be really happy with it for it to succeed. Yeah. And so um, we knew it would take some time to really find that the sweet, sweet spot. spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, so that's like so when we had the liaison, that's exactly what would happen is is that he would come with basically what she th- what everything the valuation that she thought we would take that take it back to our attorney, go through it and make some changes that kind of thing. So it was like a very yeah. um, it's a it's a long process. It was a long process, um, but worth every moment because in the end, both parties I think. I think we were all very happy yeah. with where it ended up. And one of the big things for me was ensuring that I wasn't like when I came into this part of it, it wasn't just like a heart, like a purchase from the heart that there was also some information behind it. Like, okay, we can do this. Yeah. This is worth it. We are going to find our success and we will be able to pay this off. I love it. I think another thing that's really interesting too, and maybe this is kind of when you have the liaison come in or somebody who was consulting you on what you could afford, where the money was going to come. You didn't buy the building. You just bought the business. We just bought the business. So was that something that was, were you deciding whether or not you wanted to buy the building or just the business? Did you decide that we should just start with the business? Well, the building wasn't for sale yet. Okay. The the building isn't for sale. Not that we couldn't have made an offer. That's Debbie's, that's her account. She owns the building, which is great for her. Now, one of the best advices that we had did get from our legal representation is, is that when we were going through, he made that change. He said, um, I'm, I want to make the change that you guys have the first right of refusal on the building. That's, that's Uh, where I was going. I I think we're like, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, so, and that was one of those things that Krista and I, um, this is where it really is key. If somebody is going through this to have somebody that's trustworthy, um, to help consult you because sometimes you don't know those things that wasn't on our radar. Chris and I's radar was the business and being able to afford the business, afford paying people, making it a livelihood for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, the building wasn't really on our radar and now that it's on our radar, like we have big plans for that. You well, know? that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> you don't have to like like we we talked about with Debbie earlier. She started with a small cheese and wine, and then she scaled slowly over yep. time. Mm-hmm. You guys can do the same thing, starting with yes. just owning yep. the business, and then first right of refusal. Um, later on down the road, then you can scale your business to own the the building, the asset. Yes. So, yep. um, that's kind of where I was going with yeah. that. Yeah, you're, you're right circle. on it. Right there. <laughs> so, so yeah, we didn't. We just purchased um, the building, or we just purchased um, the restaurant from her, and we even created our own LLC. Um, we didn't purchase like the actual business name or anything like that. We created our own or our own LLC and is are doing business as the Cheese Board. And for us, that was kind of important because that's our identity. We wanted yep. to be able to grow. Um, 
we didn't it, it's we have like big hopes and dreams and under the umbrella of our LLC we were hoping that we could do that which is Kintop and Co and there's just like so much more room to grow it's like we have this b- baby but who knows what the you know if there's going to have siblings or like you never you know? Know. Yeah. <laughs> interesting um so i guess i mean What's the make sense? What, what's the next? So you guys, you got the lawyers together to to, to get on the same page. Uh, you came to an agreement. Uh, what was next? What was going on? So it was this part was fast and furious. Um, as soon as we made the agreement, she was like, she told us her last day, and we were like, oh shit! That's like. That's like it in was a couple like of days. A, it was like a month. It was I think like we had a three weeks or something. Three weeks. I think it was like uh, she three was, weeks. I'm sure she was chomping at the bit. She, she could not. <laughs> she was like, okay, great. You guys got this. I think you're good. Yeah. Here we go. She spent the past 10 and, years training you. Uh, right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but there is a ton of shit to get a business and a restaurant off the ground. Yeah. Fortunately, the city was great with us. They allowed us, um, Debbie wrote a letter to the city. And we were able to function under her licenses and yeah. permits. That's a whole other variable that we're not, not even crap. touching. Is like it's turnkey. Like y- yeah. y- you're not like you're you've been working here too. Mm-hmm. So the transition is huge. Sorry, keep and going. there was no there was no option to close down. Yeah, we had to keep the doors open to make this work. And so the city was great because they worked with us. Debbie wrote them a letter. They approved it. So we were functioning under her permits. We just took over all payments as mm-hmm. of the first of the next month. So we just took over all the bills, but we were still functioning under all of our licenses. And it took five months. Yeah, we for had to get our to... own licenses, like liquor license, um, business license, all those things. Because, like I said, we created a new LLC, so yeah. it's not like we just took over hers. Um, she had to shut hers down, but she couldn't shut hers down until ours were up and running. Um, so then we did have to kind of like still work together. Yeah, um, for five months. Yeah, yeah, we got that all taken care of. But there's a lot of benefits to to taking over. A, a pre-existing business absolutely because it's a it's an entity that already exists that has pre-existing relationships yes. with all the the yes. permitting uh facilities in town so if you're lucky in in the, the the business has a good standing with the government like you can that that yes. transaction because permitting can take months 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 or not even even a year to, totally if you're in the uh, the uh, yes. like chicago i've heard it's a nightmare in chicago yes california's so, got some strict laws yeah, too yeah. Um, so couple fun things about taking over. Yeah. Like liquor licenses take a long time. Mm -hmm. I think the funny part was like, we had all of these things we knew we had to do, but they have to go in an order and nobody really tells you what order they go. in. so you go into all these different buildings. You're like, Hey, I'm here to pay for this. And they're like, well, first you have to go here. So then you go to like (laughs) the sales tax place and you're just like, I need to get set. Well, first you need to set up with the city. And we were just, we were like, we were, yeah. there were days we were just going to different spots in <laughs> Reno trying to get our permits and everything in order. I don't know how, how, uh, cross, I don't know how, how that process translates across different communities and governments. Yeah. I'm not sure either. Um, but do you remember what the process was like for you? What the first step is and maybe to give some kind of direction to the listener? So the first step is to set up as your company. Okay. So filing with the state. Yep. to um, become a company and we're an LLC. So we filed with the state and we got our tax ID number. And yeah, you need your tax ID number to do You everything. need to exist. The yeah. government needs you to need recognize you. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. So then we went to the city mm-hmm. and um, I think we went there next to set up. We paid them 
permits. Yeah. Or our, our business license. So you need yep. a business license, and then then we also needed <laughs> to do the liquor license. So I think we had to set up with them for the liquor license, but then you have to go get a background check. Yes. Right. So you get your background check, but you also <laughs> have to go then to the Department of Taxation and file um, to pay sales tax. Yeah. And and then so then for that. We were lucky because we actually had years of numbers. Like we had actually gotten five years of prior P&Ls and balance sheets before we took over the business. So we knew we could project what we were going to bring in and we could then show the department of taxation like, hey, we're planning on doing a million dollars or whatever it is. And they could say, okay, well then you need to be able to pay this much in sales tax, which we then had to get a bond bond. for. Oh my gosh. Yes. So you have to get a bond. And then you, you also have to have insurance, right? So oh, yep. our insurance. <laughs> yep. So then you we we actually used the same insurance agent as Debbie, which was really fantastic yeah. because there was so much knowledge there. Yeah, I think I was just thinking maybe the best place instead of trying to make you know spend your entire day running all over your city or your town, start with the first trip going to like the town clerk. Yes. You know, and being like, okay, this is what I this is where I want to end up. Where what's the route? <laughs> well, like, how where do I need to start? And you know? that's what we would do. We'd be like, "Hey, what do we need to do next?" And like, you got to go do this and this. But then, then you'd get but there. Different and then they departments would, yeah. would be like, "Well, actually, you need to go get your DBA taken care of." And then when you get your, D- you also need to get, you, you also need to go to the we, health department. Wait, I was going to say, we had to go to the health department too. <laughs> like twice. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, it all worked out. Just be, and then be ready for that. I think it's because ready. Yeah. That it's going to be a cluster. Y- yeah. 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 It's yep. the cluster. I mean, chapter. honestly, we should like research it and then just put up a page like on our website. Right? Being like if you want to buy a restaurant, here's, here's, here's what you need. To- well, I actually kept all my notes. I have all well, the notes. What's frustrating is every, every state and every city is different. Yes, well, so they are like, different. Yeah, so it's um, it's tough. That's probably why there's no resource because right. it can't recreate it for every situation. So uh, keep going. Then one more thing that happened is you have to when you take over, and I actually think this would have happened even if we didn't start a, as a new LLC. Um, if it wasn't an asset purchase, if we did take over her corporation, you still have a transition of um, ownership. Okay, and so you have to be. Um, the fire department comes in, the health department comes in, and they do a whole inspection when you do a transition of ownership for any of the spaces you use. And that was very interesting because there are things that in an old building, um, you kind of get grandfathered in. So there's things that you get grandfathered in as far as like just... Like to give an example of where your ice machine could be. And um, just we had some faulty tiles in our walk-in refrigerator that had never been an issue. But so then once you, you know, take over ownership, they do um, like a health inspector comes in and does and all and the fire inspector. And like she said, and they do like like a really intense yeah. like check. And For so, today's laws yeah. not from what was in 1986 right. but okay. this we is- <laughs> we functioned years without like yeah, yeah you're so 100 percent on your health code you know what I mean? and then and- they were like you have to change all of this and we were like Huh? <laughs> yeah, I think that the the only thing to say is just be ready for it. And be ready, what, whatever you budget, whatever you think it's going to cost, it costs more. It's people say up to like twice as much. Just, yeah, just make sure you have twice as much, Absolutely. at least twenty percent more than what you yes. need Absolutely. for those things. When you pull this wall, there's that pipe, and oh, yes. we didn't think about that, and like there's just always something that's hidden that's just not obvious. You just yeah. don't. You're not going to know it. So yeah, yeah just be. 
prepared. So I think the one thing the one thing I want to talk about that we haven't really gotten into yet is what the transition, uh, what the culture was like transitioning ownership. If people give you the same level of respect, or when you you know because now you're the boss before. Or were you were both high ranked. You were both managers. Yes. So it must have been a pretty straightforward transition for the people. I think all of our teams in here within our space, um, they all came with us. Mm. Everybody came with nobody left. That's amazing. And so we really had this very testament. powerful team coming in that there was no hiccup in the transition. People actually didn't know for a while unless we had told them. And then when they did find out, this was an interesting transition was when um, – you know, like customers or clients would be like, oh, you're the owners. And it was like an instant change in um, just the way people kind of addressed us. Hmm. What was that like? Weird. It is weird because you want to you want to believe that um, even as like a manager or higher up that um, you are have a certain level of respect that you're earning respect from your customers and and everything. But yeah, once you become like once you Chris and I are like, once you just take on that debt and the bills, um, <laughs> people like, respect you more, you know, um, and they, they do. I, it is weird. They they treat you a little different. That being said, um, I think about those kind of things. Uh, we acted a little different. And I mean that in the sense that our confidence level was boosted because we were like, this is all us. Grown-ups now. We are grown-ups. <laughs> we are uh, adulting and shit. Yeah. And I put on, like, we call them the big girl pants. Yeah. But, you know, there's big boy pants. Yeah. Um, so you put on the big girl pants and you show up and yeah. you're like, yeah, this, well, and that's exactly I got to do we this. Just, like, we instantly had to, like, put on, like, our badass caps and be like, you know what? this all comes down to us no matter what, like this business is now ours. So I do think that our attitude changes and that be when that happens, people get that feeling, they feel your energy. And so Mm -hmm. then their respect for you changes instantly as well. I love it. Um, what else? I mean, I I just don't even know what to consider because I've never gone through this. So what things have we not discussed up to this point that should be discussed in your circumstance? (laughs) Well, I think that, um, I think that what should be discussed is probably um, in the transition is that Chris and I did go through all the things and we had, we, I think that we did gain a new level of respect for Debbie that we never had Mm. um, or for any owner. Um, I think she was doing it by herself, by herself. And And she would tell us, she's like, you guys will be lucky to have each other for almost 40 years by herself herself. and making the hard decisions by yourself And I think that's the thing is that as employees um, or just any outsider, you make these judgments on somebody else's um, and somebody else's decisions and you don't put yourself in their shoes Mm -hmm. to think about um, what that meant to um, have to let some hard people go in the time of, you know, a recession or what that looks like to take the uh, some favorite menu item off like the cheese or something like that. Like right. making these hard decisions, you're it's easier to sit back and judge as an employee or as a customer and and, and so, think you know the a different answer or a better that, answer. That your answer would be better. Yeah. Um, so that is probably one of the biggest lessons that Chris and I have had to, I don't want to say lessons, but it, it is a growth period that we've yes. had. And we it's do have. It's a new have, level of respect. It, it's a new level of respect and humility. It's yes. kind of like. You don't know until you know. You, you don't. don't know until <laughs> um, you know. Yeah. And it feels good. It yeah. feels good to get to that space and let your ego go a little bit and be like, 
that's amazing what she created. Like, it's mm-hmm. so amazing that she did that by herself as a female, like powerhouse in the eighties coming up. And then that we get to take over that and yes. just like keep going. It's like, you know? she passed the baton to yes. us and it feels really good because what's something too, that we're, when we took over, we kind of just did a fluid transition. Nothing really changed right off the bat, but now we're in a point where we're like, okay, who are we within this space and what do we want this to become? And so we're at the point where we can start going, how do we want this to look? How do we want it to feel? How do we want it to interact with our clients? Like from like, we're working on some website ideas and, um, we're doing these new wine dinners. You started your own podcast. Oh, we have our Ooh, own podcast. We have our own podcast. <laughs> Take yeah. a listen, you guys. Yeah. The good, the bad, and the drinking. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure that's part of the the overall arcing, arching brand, the, kin, well, the Kintop brand, right? It's kind of about, like about the Kintop brand. It's really about, you know, who Caitlin and I are and that I think sometimes you look at somebody doing something, whatever it is, um, you know, even like a celebrity and you make up a story for their life. Like their life must be great. Their life must be, oh, they have nothing, nothing's going on. And we would run into people and they're like, there were some assumptions made about how we lived. And we're like, let's just break all those assumptions <laughs> and talk about what it's like to be women and moms. What and are the assumptions people make? Well, so... For one of the assumptions is, is that our hours are only um, 11 to 4. So, you know, like as you were getting here at 930, Chris and I are also showing up. So everybody just thinks that we have this like oh, nice morning. You get to sleep in until 10 yeah, o'clock every morning. That, oh, roll like, out of what, bed. Oh, what's, that's so nice. You're only open five hours a day. What they don't realize is that I get up at 4 in the morning to go to the gym before my kids get up. Then I have to get them ready for school. And yeah. then you're constantly like juggling life. Yeah. Um. And, and then you come in here and then it's, you have your family life and then you have another family here that you're taking care of. And you you get hit with things constantly. People are looking to you to make certain decisions right away or asking you questions. Before I even get my coffee when I get here. I know. And I tell people, I'm like, I need coffee first. Um, and then there was a friend of ours that we ran into. We hadn't seen her for a while and she had was like, we were talking about frozen pizza night at home. We're like, oh, it's frozen pizza pizza night at the Phillips house. And she's like, you make your kids frozen pizza too? Like, <laughs> and we're like, oh, yeah. And I chicken nuggets. It was cheese and, on cr- Yeah, they thought that we made these like gourmet like, <laughs> yeah. meals every night. Yeah. And we're like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope. No, but it's frozen um, pizza night. But I think for Chris and I, um, in the restaurant space and in the life space, is that we like the idea of creating or giving people just kind of like advice to have a fulfilled life no matter what their passion is and just kind of like giving people the permission and growing in your space like you said it doesn't have to be you don't have to go to school and pay somebody to do that you can find these niches in within your space to grow and then get paid for and then continue on and just breaking all stereotypes it doesn't matter like if you're male female mom not you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. just like you get well, to choose yeah. i think these these byproducts that you're talking about these different verticals within the o- overarching business of to profit different verticals of uh, revenue right come when you can remove yourself from the business to look at the big picture and to look yes. at because when you're in the business all of your energy is going into like you know getting that ticket out right and, and you don't have time to put that energy into 
visioning so and true. thinking about what's right here in front of us. Like, what could we be doing different? Like, what opportunities are right at our disposal that we're not leveraging because we're just too busy to see them? I think this is something Caitlin and I are faced with all the time um, is that we have this overall vision that sometimes it's not completely clear. Mm. And it's like, oh, I feel this thing out there and we want to do this. Like, we want a bigger kitchen and we want to expand what we sell in this space. Um, but you do need a moment to step to the side. Yeah. And this is where, like, when hiring comes into play. Like, hiring the team and training them well and giving them the license to run the business so that you can also produce these other parts of your yeah. dreams and goals and it's something we're still learning. Yeah. I was going to say that um I think that is again in one of the transitions one of the hardest parts of the transition I think that's been for Chris and I is, is that as managers you are doing like you're doing the hands-on work a lot and then you take over as um as an owner or um you know the chief vision officer <laughs> you know what I mean? Um and then what happens is is it's hard to find your, you take a lot of time to find that person that you're never going to duplicate yourself, but you're going to find somebody that can do it equally or better. It might be different, but, um, relinquishing that control, um, for me, I on behalf of myself is hard. Well, I mean, you're, you're recreating yourself in others with the cult, the culture, the vision, the mission, the the core values, all these things. That's you on paper. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the systems, processes, procedures, protocols, like that's again, you, what you know how to do, but making it step by step for other people. So you, they get to the right place. Um, so right. Uh, yeah. And that's hard to do because there's things that have lived within you. Yeah. Like, you don't know it's there because you're, it's relative to you, you know, so like you don't see it. Um, anything, I mean, did I take you off track? No, there, God, no. keep going. Oh. <laughs> One thing I am curious about, maybe it will be my last question or my second to last question before going to the speed round. Uh, you see all the time people passing the baton, right? But when that person, that that original founder is not there, things seem to crumble with their departure. What has been different about your 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 case, your situation? What happened with this situation? What can we create if we want to pass the baton? You know, if we're listening to this, or maybe we want to receive the baton. Yeah. What things? did you do that has made it continually successful with the, the, the transition? You have to do all things with love. <laughs> <laughs> I think we really love it. Like we really love our people. We love our clients. We love our customers that come in every day. We love the people that we work with and we really try to nurture them um, as well as they nurture us and um, keeping the integrity of what Debbie created and that the continuation in the future will also be, um, will bring that with us. Yeah. Well, I think too, um, is that this space is something that's bigger than Krista and I. And so if somebody else is, is going into a space, um, that they want to, um, create like this, this restaurant, the cheese board has, um, been a part of people's lives through weddings, births, memorials. Like it's more than just a restaurant. What people don't realize is that this is part of our community. And Chris and I grew up in this community. So if somebody wants to pass the baton or receive the baton, just, you need to have that passion and that respect Mm -hmm. for the business in order for you to maintain it and grow it in 
in the integrity that it deserves. Yeah. Right. And if I had a guess, I would say that what happened that has allowed you to to experience the same success you had back when Debbie was the owner was that Debbie recreated herself in the two of you. And in this essence, like, cause she trained you, she, she coached you, she gave you her values as a business owner. Right. And mm-hmm. she imparted those things into you. So in a sense, she's still here. I mean, she's still Absolutely. with us. She's like, right. she passed away. Or anything, but, <laughs> right. but you know what Sorry, I mean? But, Debbie, she's still, still alive. <laughs> but she's still within the four walls of the building she, because, yes. because of the, because of the, the, the wake she left behind in her presence. Right. And, well, how it, and she really like, you know, what our hiring manager, Gigi, I mean, she brought on Gigi and Gigi, again, it was like the absorption of all these things, this love and respect. And she instilled that into us as yeah. well. And so it is this continuation. And then we try to put that into our team. And so I think the lesson, sorry to go interrupt for you, it. but the lesson is like, it does, it starts at the top yes. and you, you, make it's the feeling that you project onto your others and into the hiring process and the culture you're creating. So yes, um, she instilled a culture into this restaurant that then has just, you know, like domino effect throughout the restaurant and throughout the community. Yeah. And again, I think we started this conversation. Maybe it comes up often, but you got to recreate yourself and others. You have a, we have an obligation to transform the people that come to work to you, to give them those values, to give them that knowledge. And when you do that, if you do it well enough, yes. you're setting yourself up for the future to be, maybe exit. You're giving yes. yourself an exit strategy, yes. right? Exactly. Because you, you've surrounded yourself and empowered the people with you who can now take the baton. Yes. Um, and I've loved this conversation. I love to wrap up every free chat, every free flowing por- portion of my chat uh, by asking my guests, uh, you know, the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. Uh, so how have you transformed over these past few years, uh, transitioning from employee to owner? Who, how are you different? I think you might have gotten to it a little bit earlier when you said that you don't know which, until you know, right? So maybe a little more humble, but I don't want to put words into your mouth, but how else have you transformed? Yeah, I think humility for me has yeah. been the biggest thing, just kind of like letting ego go and realizing that it's a bigger picture, Yeah, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, humility is huge. I think for me, learning how to um, give, hand it past the baton to others. Mm. So empower others. Yes, empowering others. And so that they feel empowered to do the jobs we give them. Um, that That's a big tool mm-hmm. and that's a big key. And it's a continual learning environment. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. Great stuff. One more quick break to thank our sponsors. And we're going to bust out a speed round. Bento Box is more, much, much more than just another restaurant website developer. It is a hospitality platform designed to disrupt third-party services that come between the restaurant and the guest. Bento Box puts the restaurant first and offers tools that drive high-margin revenue directly through the restaurant website. These tools allow you to easily update menus, promote and sell events, share your press and media attention with the world, sell gift cards, take catering orders and much much more in other words bento box puts you in control so that you can focus on what matters most your restaurant bento box is trusted and loved by over 5,000 restaurants worldwide because they empower restaurants to own their presence profits and relationships online sign up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable one more time that is getbento.com slash unstoppable 
We're back, and the first question I have for the two of you is what are your it factors, habits, traits, characteristics you believe most contributes to your success? Maybe you each have one, yeah, or combined it factor. Uh, I think it's just hard work. Hard work. What are your biggest weaknesses? Relinquishing control, for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) It's a learning. Always learning how to do that. What is your biggest challenge today, and how are you dealing with it? Biggest challenge today are our SOPs, standard operating procedures, and really getting everybody on board with those. Um, yeah, and having the time to create them and um, and have everybody learn it. So, and- what are you doing to make sure that, that that happens? How are you dealing with the challenge? We're trying to block time out to actually put <laughs> those in to create them yes. the way we want them to create. Time is the biggest time. challenge. Yep. Time is the challenge. I think time is I, the challenge. We must be plugged into the same circuit because I was thinking in my head, I was like, I wonder if they're blocking time. And that's exactly what <laughs> and you And that's said. what we're trying to learn how to do. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. Blocking time. That yeah. could go back to a weakness too is blocking <laughs> time. Yes. What is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process when you're building your team? What are you looking for? This is our favorite question. Um, the question is, if you could eat anything from anywhere in the world, what would it be? That's the question we ask people. What are you looking for? Um, just, oh, go ahead. We're looking for like an authentic answer, a heartfelt answer, something that brings a person back to a certain time and place where you can really see their heart come out. Mm. Yeah. The answer is, it doesn't matter what the answer is. It doesn't, it could be peanut butter. how they answer it. Uh, It's the passion behind it. it. I, I'm thinking about calzones right yeah, now. Just exactly. thinking about that. That's my answer. And the <laughs> nice. answer is whatever is at my disposal to make a calzone with. <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> what is one uh, core value, code of conduct, a way to be, a way to act uh, that you teach your team? To respect each other. Mm. Do you have to add? Yeah, to that? no, respect 100, 100%. Our whole team is an actual team. We rely on each other. Nobody in this team sits necessarily higher than anybody else because when you really think about how we produce our food because we do corporate orders we do catering everybody plays a role and like even our dishwasher is hugely important the person doing the deliveries is a representative of us outside of here our staff when they're off premise at catering they are representing us Mm. so when they respect each other and they're there to get each other's back it only makes us stronger i love it and what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team. So it's something that's common within your four walls, but not common within the industry to to go above and beyond what's expected. Humor. (laughs) I know that sounds weird, but if you uh, ever come into here, we, um, the front of the house and the back of the house, we, we dance, we sing, we're sarcastic. Um, it's just an, we, I really, um, want my, our employees to have their sense of humor, to feel their best self. It's a safe place and it makes the customers feel good. People need a sense of uh, autonomy, right? When you can be yourself and have fun and just let your true self shine, that authenticity they're going to show up way better every day. Absolutely. So, so important. Um, okay. What is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant operator? So there's so many books. This is a really (laughs) hard question. Um, I struggle with it. A book I read in my early 20s, um, it's actually a book about art. And okay. it's called The War of Art. Yes. But it's about showing up every day, not waiting for the muse to come to you, but you working and but through working is where you find that creativity and flow. And I find that's true in this industry as well as in art. Yeah. I love it. And one of the books that I'm um, listening to right now is um it's called the infinite game um by simon sinek and i really um suggest this game or suggest this game suggest this book um it talks about 
um, business as a whole in life and that there is no end. So it's what you want to leave this earth with. There's not, nobody wins at life. You're just creating. Yeah. And I think it's really important to point that out because I think that as humans, I don't know why, we're hardwired to think that once I do this, then it's going to be yeah. better. Or once I get yeah. here, it's going to be better. Once I make $100,000 a year, it's going to be Once exactly. I make $200,000 yeah. a year, it's going to be No. It's yeah. all relative to it's what you are. It's an infinite game. Yeah, exactly. This is your life. This yeah. is your fulfillment. And is so, the life. Exactly. So just you know, be just choose to be happy is what it comes down to. Choose to be, yes. be happy with what you have because it's never going to be. You're yes. always going to want the next thing. You right? find your joy yeah. in just being alive daily. And I like, love Simon Sinek. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I cut you short? I'm sorry. No, you, you're good. Okay. Keep going. Um, so I love it. that book, both those books I know are on Audible because yes. I listened to both of them. So head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. If you are not an Audible member yet, I'm telling you, if you're a restaurant owner, we don't have time nope. or energy nope. to, to sit. <laughs> if we're sitting in one spot, we're sleeping. Yes. You know, So like, get that audio book when you're driving to work, when you're in the kitchen. Con- like Turn so your restaurant true. into a university, your car into a university. So powerful. And you get your first book on me. And um, I usually don't... Oh, snap. Well, the first book <laughs> on me, if you use that link, audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. Um, and I don't typically sell on the show, but I'm really passionate about audiobooks. Yeah, they I are, they are Same. They are They're game huge. changers. Yeah. So uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? They need to know their costs. Yep. They need to know the costs, all the hard costs. Just get to know them. Get comfy and watch in those your numbers. Costs. Yeah. yeah. Get comfy in those numbers because that's that's where you're going to find mistakes. Yes. That's awesome. how you become better. What is one technology you've recently adopted that's had a huge impact on your operation? So um, we just upgraded our point of sale system. We've gone with Toast, which is a kind of a newer system just geared for restaurants. Um, it's been quite the learning curve, but it's been amazing. It's going to help us for the future as far as online ordering and um, reporting and, and instant information that we well, didn't have before. What was it about Toast that made that platform the one you chose? We do so many different things with our off-premise catering, and um, we sat down and talked to a, whew, like 10 different point of sales on how we can incorporate all the different aspects of our business. And what I loved about Toast was they were game to helping us figure it out. Like with the off-premise catering, you take deposits, um, you've got staffing and all these things. And so they were like, here's one way we can run it that we can help you track numbers this way. Customer service is amazing at Toast. And that's one Customer thing. Customer service. If you're in a business and you and maybe you're if you're gonna have to spend an extra twenty dollars a month, but that you get that customer service that's yes. there willing to go they're they're a business partner with you. They, yes. I've heard I've heard them um compared to having a business partner because they're there ready to help at any time. And that that value is is just in itself. So, uh, on top of having the system itself, having that that person that is at like yes. your fingertip, uh, fingertips distance away. You can away. call them at any time, exactly. which is great. They also are investing in new technologies within their space. So like um, payroll, I know they're starting some payroll. Inventory, I think. And the inventory piece of the puzzle, which we haven't implemented yet, yeah. but I would love to get to the part where we implement that because the analytics are great. Yeah. Mm, they yep. really are. And um, I, it's kind of fun to mention, but there was a blog post that p- 
Toast put out two days ago where they listed the nine top podcasts you need to be listening to. Oh, snap. And uh, oh. Rest- Restaurant Unstoppable was number one. <laughs> Thank Dancing. you, Toast. There's video. You video. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Toast. I appreciate that. And the last question I have for you is, if you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three leases. Three, three. I've only asked this question <laughs> many times. Three lessons you could be, leave behind uh, for your for your legacy. Uh, what would those three lessons be? Um, don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. It's one. One. Be authentic. Two. All, All you we need, need is love. Oh, ah! yeah. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, your knowledge, your mentorship. We wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. So who's one independent restaurant operator, somebody you respect and admire and believe would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today? Oh, my God. There's so <laughs> many great people in our town. We're going through this like renaissance of restaurants right now. Um, I think someone with an interesting story is Mark Este. Mark yes, Este. Mark Este. You, He's already on my radar. Been, okay, He's good. out of town or else yes, I would have been trying to cross. Town, yes. Yeah, but I would love to get you on the show, Mark. And uh, let the folks at home know if they want to connect with you. Maybe come and join your team. What is the best way to connect? Email. Yep. Check out our um, our email. You can get through us to um, cheeseboardcatering.com, um, yes. our website. And then if you guys also want to check out our podcast on Apple yes. Podcasts, it's called The Good, The Bad, and The Drinking. I'm going to be listening to that <laughs> on my way back to uh, California. Oh, get ready. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to get to know us real it's well. I can't uncensored wait. and unsolicited I, advice, I you feel guys. like I already got to know you <laughs> really well. Uh, this is episode 666. Sorry. <laughs> 668. Head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash 668. I'll have a summary of today's discussion as well as the links to any tools, services, or books recommended and how to connect with these lovely ladies. And again, uh, Caitlin and Krista, thank you so much for taking the thank time. Thank you yeah. so much. This You're, is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, there is no question you are unstoppable. Thank Cheers. you. Cheers. <laughs> There's another one in the archive, and I have a couple calls to action for you. Please reach out to me, Eric, at RestaurantUnstoppable.com, Facebook slash RestaurantUnstoppable, and Instagram, Eric Cacciatore. If you are interested in letting me know who I need to make an example of in Sacramento, in San Francisco, I'm on the road. I'm in California, Northern California, through the rest of October into November, and I would also love to connect with you, my my listeners. Grab a beer. Grab a coffee. Grab whatever. Let's, let's connect. I want to go deep. I want to get intimate with my audience and my my guests so uh that all starts with you guys let me know who's out there uh not just guests but yourselves i love connecting with my listeners and let's also start growing this facebook group that i've created the unstoppable restaurant owners and operators if you guys want to communicate with each other if you want to reflect on episodes that's where i want to start doing this so email me to get permission to be added to that group or just search for it on facebook all right guys let's do this peace